Last week, we had a lot of stuff we were praying over in our staff meeting. And uh, we, a matter of fact, we were listing all the stuff going, man, if God doesn't come through, if God doesn't meet us in these places, if, uh, if something unique that the Holy Spirit doesn't do, then we're just working really hard, you know, and what's the result of it? Just a lot of work. And I was thinking about the greater than conference that just happened, because again, we were thinking and praying about this last week. Powerful conference we had over this past weekend with uh, young adults, with junior high and senior high and uh, different groups. And even pastors came in for one of the meetings. And, and uh, that was just a powerful time. God met us in that conference. And then, uh, and then tonight we have the leadership community. Those of you who are leaders here in the church or servants who want to be leaders, make sure and come tonight. Jeff Bethke is going to be back to speak to us for that at 530. And then, of course, the man camp's coming up. Oof man camp. And uh, so for all the guys that we, it's been a while since we've done one of those. And uh, we actually, instead of camping out, we actually get to stay at Riverview. That's going to be fun. And uh, so you can still sign up for that. And then of course, Lent started, right? That was last Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is the beginning of that six week period leading up to Easter, which is the, kind of that season of Lent. Lent is to Easter, kind of like Advent is to Christmas. And so it's that time when we prepare our hearts. We uh, often, many people will choose to kind of forego something during that period of time, maybe a fast of some kind. So I want to encourage you, leading up to Easter, if you want to participate in kind of that ancient tradition of Lent, uh, give something up and just dedicate this time for prayer and fasting uh, all the way up to Easter. And, uh, and, then, and then on Easter, really exciting, we're going to have baptisms and we've not done that, and, uh, and yet it's rooted in ancient tradition, uh, Easter baptisms. Back in the early church, kind of starting in around 150 AD, uh, they would, uh, the, the early church fathers kind of looked at becoming a Christian in three different stages. Stage one was when you make your profession of faith and you become a Christian, a new creation in Christ. And then that, fa- that second stage was when you grow. So that could be a couple months all the way up to a couple years of time where there's changes that are evidenced in your life. You didn't just stay the same. And, you, and then there's that period of learning and growing. And then the, the third stage was being baptized at Easter. That's kind of how they did it, kind of how they thought of it. And uh, so it was this huge celebration and the period of Lent was a time of reflection and kind of readying yourself for baptism. And then Easter was that time of the death, burial, and resurrection that we celebrate through baptism. So if you've never been baptized, want to make sure and sign up for that this Easter. It's going to be a powerful experience. Or maybe you were dedicated or christened as a a kid, as an infant, and it just never was something you chose to do with your own faith. I want to encourage you to uh, be baptized at Easter. It's going to be powerful. Well, today we're going to launch into this new series on prayer. Uh, we were praying over all those things and lots of, lots of other things as well. And you know how it goes. I mean, you can be so busy in this life that you, it's almost like we forget to pray. And yet we're so busy and there's so many things that are important that we're too busy not to pray. And so I want to talk about prayer. The goal of the series is to create this culture of prayer, devoted to prayer. We're calling it fervent because we want to be fervent in prayer Something that isn't just every now and then when a big event happens and, 
and uh, we kind of throw an SOS out to God, but cultivating a lifestyle of prayer, both individually in our individual daily lives, as well as collectively together as a church community. God is calling us to be a people of prayer. Do you remember when you prayed your first powerful prayer? You know, your first prayer that you, you really engaged your faith and then God met you in that place. Do you remember when that was? For many of you, maybe it was when you were a kid. Um, for me, it wasn't. I never really prayed as a kid at all. I mean, I prayed a little bit like once, I think. My parents taught me this prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray God, uh, to, to God my soul to take. That was a scary prayer for a five-year-old. I gave up praying after that. That was it until I was 19. And I'm not joking. I mean, I never prayed. I don't remember ever reaching out to God in prayer at all throughout all of my childhood up until the time I was 19 years old. And it was there that I became a Christian. Uh, this uh, lady led me to Christ and she was a person of prayer. And she just told me about God and his heart towards me and the fact that he was powerful and that he answered prayer. And so I was like, all right. And so I just started praying. I was selling books at the time. My prayers were not really very religious. They weren't educated. They were really simple. You know, you know what I'm talking about, that educated prayer, you know, when you think you got to go to God with the right words. Oh, holy father, I beseech thee on behalf of my frailties. And I just called out to God, God help. Joe said you answered prayer. I'm praying right now, and I'm asking that the next door I knock on, I sell a book. It was deep. <laughs> it was carnal. And it was awesome because God met me in those prayers because they were sincere. Sure, they were uneducated, but they were sincere, and they were set in faith. And God met me throughout that summer in powerful ways that I was able to see that God answers prayer even sometimes weird ones. When is it that you've seen God at work through your prayers? Sometimes we start off praying with faith and simplicity, and they sound really raw. And then we kind of can march through our Christian life, and we kind of get some phrases that we use, and maybe even a, like a religious tone that we can add to it. And then we can actually, if, if, if we're not careful, step into areas where we think they're like formulas. If I say these certain things and quote that passage and say it, you know, really strong, then somehow that's going to put some extra heat behind it. And, and we can get these crazy ideas when what God is looking for are people who will come to him in honesty, sincerity, in truth. And yeah, in all of our rawness, and we come to him and we pray and we trust and we believe, and he loves to answer those kinds of prayers. And we struggle. And let's be honest. We struggle at praying. We struggle with praying. And we kind of go in and out of it, don't we? Because we're busy. We're busy people. And prayer takes time. We're also very self-reliant people. And prayer confesses dependency. And we're also really impatient people. And prayer requires perseverance, which I don't have a lot of. And so it's very easy to get discouraged, to get cynical when I pray and then maybe I don't see answers in the way I wanted to see it, in the timing I wanted to see it. 
And then we can just throw up our hands and say, good, well, good luck. In this series, I want to I teach on prayer. We're going to teach various uh, uh, types of praying. We're going to talk about prayer. But we want to inspire you. I want to be inspired. I need to be inspired around praying, around getting into that place with God where I'm walking with him, not just to see answers, but to meet with him, to grow in my relationship with him. Prayer is the most powerful thing you can do in your life. Did you know that? Let that sink in for a moment. Prayer is the most powerful thing you can do in your life. The reason why is because the power comes from God, not from yourself. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is a privilege that God invites us to be praying, to come to communicate, to talk to him, listen to him, and to pray. And he stands ready and willing to allow his power to work through a praying people. There's no power shortage in heaven. And yet scripture teaches that God's power flows primarily through people who pray. God's power to change circumstances, to change relationships, to change daily struggles, to change even issues in our personality, in our marriages, financial difficulties, physical, psychological. God's uh, power is not limited to anything. And any difficulty you're facing, any obstacle that's in the way, God's power has the ability to touch that and move that. Sometimes the only thing holding back God's power is the prayers of a person who's in relationship with Jesus and who'll just offer it up in faith. Now, it's true. God can do anything he wants to do without you or me. It's true. God is going to do some things without anybody praying because he's sovereign. And, and he doesn't require our prayers. He doesn't need your prayers. He doesn't need your faith. He's going to do some things in this world and in your life that don't require you to, inter, to, to be involved at all. But equally true is there are things God will only do when we step into that place of prayer, when we release our faith, when we trust God and we call out to God. And here's the kicker. You'll never know the difference. You never, I, we don't get to know what are the things God will do without me and what are the things that God is looking to me to reach into faith and pray and release that faith. And that's why Jesus said, pray always. Leave that part up to God. We just pray always and not give up. James chapter 4, verse 2. I love what James says. He makes it really easy. He says, you have not because you ask not. In other words, sometimes the only thing holding back the dam, the release of God's power into your life or into your situation is prayer, asking. Maybe even it's just one single prayer. Maybe it's a whole lot of prayer over a long period of time, over years. Heaven's power flows through you when you pray. If you look back on some of those powerful prayers that you've prayed, and I know several of you, and I know some of your prayer stories, some of the ways that God met you at a time and a place in your life, and it becomes like a memorial, something you look back on, and you remember that God is a good father, that God is perfect, that God does love us, 
And I remember one of those for Tisa and I is this stump that's in our front yard. We walk by it when we go on walks and we look at the stump and we go, ah, prayer stump. And uh, we remember something that God had done. When we moved into our house, we had this large blue spruce, blue spruce tree that was blocking our view. It's big girth, really tall, and it was right in front of our picture window. And it kind of blocked our view. It kind of ticked us off. We're like, ah, bummer. If that tree wasn't there, we'd have this great view. And so we're complaining about it like we do as people, right? Complaining. I mean, we're spoiled brats. We have this nice house with a little bit of a view. And it's like, but we're complaining that the tree's there. And uh, so I got a, you know, I called around and got some quotes. And it was going to be about $800 to remove the tree. And so we didn't have the money. And so I remember sitting on the deck. It was a couple weeks later. We're, we're staring at the tree instead of everything around the tree, you know, just focused on the problem. And, and, and this crazy idea hit me. What if we prayed? Isn't that crazy? Like, what if we prayed in faith? Now, we were thinking that God might give us the $800 somehow. We were praying that maybe we'd stumble into somebody at Home Depot that knew how to cut trees down. We didn't know what it was, but we joined hands and we prayed. We prayed. And then we said amen. And we were sitting there for about five more minutes drinking our coffee. And all of a sudden, I thought I saw like a little bit of smoke come out of the top of the tree. And I thought probably just hallucinating, you know, some old life coming back to haunt me. But then as I'm staring at it, I, I asked Tisa, I said, do you see smoke coming out of the top of the tree? This is a true story. And she said, no, I don't see anything. And then we waited a little longer. And then every now and then a little stream of smoke would go up in the air from the top of the tree. And pretty soon it was a, a nice stream of smoke coming from the top of the tree. It was on fire. And we're like, oh, my gosh, our tree is on fire. What do we do? So we called 911. And we said, our, our, our tree in our front yard is on fire. And they said, well, is it near any power lines? You know, and, and lo and behold, we looked up, and it was a tall tree, and the power lines kind of went through the very top of it. And I said, yes. They said, well, then call a Vista. So we called a Vista, and they said, oh, yeah, we'll be right out. That sounds like an emergency. So they came out with their big truck that cuts down trees and the chipper and everything, and they cut the tree down on the spot. <laughs> Cut it down, chopped it into firewood, loaded it into their truck, swept up after themselves, left, no charge. Hour and a half later, we're just staring at the view. God is good. God is so good. And yet there's so many more significant problems than that in life. It's like child's play, right? It's nothing. And yet, my heavenly father cared enough about such a dumb little thing, but it meant something to us. And he just revealed his great power. Now, you might be sitting there going, oh, I thought that was a coincidence. And you can believe that all you want. I was there. <laughs> Tisa and I know. We walk by the stump, and we go, yep, God's powerful. <laughs> What's blocking your view, your view of God? What's hindering your walk with God? What disappointment is in your life? Where has God maybe not come through for you in the way you think he should have? 
What sin has crept in? Who is it that's breaking your heart? What's out of your ability to control it? You can't change it. You've tried and you've failed over and over again. And it's going to take a God-sized miracle to see something change. What resource do you need that you don't have? And God is going to have to come through in some crazy way of creativity, some crazy way of his power, some crazy way of provision. God is able. The God of all abundance. And I want to call on you to pray. I want to challenge you to step into this place of faith and this place of prayer and believe God for great and mighty things to unleash his power through your life and through your prayers. If you have your Bible, you can open it with me. I want to look at an amazing passage in James chapter 5. And this, in this passage, just a couple verses, three verses, prayer is used seven times. And James, the writer, is known as camel knees because of his time, hours a day spent in prayer. And he had these big knots on his knees. And he writes about prayer because there's tremendous power in prayer. And it's a privilege. And so when should I pray? Well, here's what James says in James chapter 5, verse 13. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. When I'm hurting emotionally, when you're suffering, when there's difficulties and misfortunes that happen in your life, when you're encountering hardship in your life. Now, I've talked to a lot of people in the last couple months, and there's a lot of hardship. I mean, there's difficulties, financial crises, relational crises, something going on outside of your control that's hitting your life. Your heart is breaking. Tension is at this all-time high. And here's the deal. When life gets hard and there's suffering and there's pressure that's coming on you, it will either press you into God and into prayer or it will just depress you and just grind your face, face into it. And it's a choice. And you can make that choice and I can make that choice to enter into prayer like David in Psalm 18 said, in my distress, I call upon the Lord. Not because we have to, but because we get to. And then right underneath this, James says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Let him sing praise. And life is that way, isn't it? It's a series of ups and downs, feast to famine. When you're going, you're in that place where everything's good. If someone was to say, how can I pray for you? You're like, no, I'm good. You know what he says? He says, sing, laugh out loud. Make it part of your devotion to God in your private time. There's something powerful when we sing praises to God and we just give him praise and glory for the good stuff going on in our lives. Another important time to pray, though, is when you're hurting physically. Verses 14 and 15 says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. The word sick in the Greek literally means without strength. You're totally fatigued. You're wasted. You're, bed, you're bedridden, unable to work. 
something going on. I mean, significant, a little more than heartburn. I mean, there's something happening there. And he says, who's to call for the elders of the church? The sick person. Because it's an act of your own faith. It's an act of humility to call for the leaders. And, and you can call for your life group leader. There's prayer teams up here every single week ready to stand in the gap and pray with you. We have pastors and elders, and we have people ready to pray, even today. But we invite them to pray over us. Now, there are some that think that the gifts of healing are gone, like those were for a dispensation with the early church. They needed that kind of miraculous power back then. And so God did that special thing back then. But the truth is, we need God's healing power today just as much. We need to see God's power at work just as much today as they did back then. And the scripture tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is still healing people. He is still that miraculous God who's the Lord, our God, our healer. Matter of fact, in Mark's gospel, this is kind of fascinating. For those of you who know about the Great Commission found in Matthew 28, Mark actually adds a detail in the Great Commission this way in Mark 16. He says, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, and these signs will accompany those who believe. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, who was that given to? That was given to the disciples then and the disciples today, that part of the great commission in preaching the gospel and sharing our faith is also to be praying for those who are sick. Now, let me be clear. Not every sick person is healed instantaneously. Some, sometimes they are. Sometimes they are healed in that moment. Other times it's a process over time where healing comes. And other people receive their healing in heaven. And I don't know which is which, nor do you. And that's why Jesus said, I want you to pray. Pray always. Pray without ceasing. And don't get discouraged. Because God still loves to heal. And then James says, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Just like we look here and we see we're going to have communion in just a moment and you see the bread and the juice, the bread representing his body, the juice representing the blood of Jesus. It's a symbol that reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. Water is a symbol of baptism, right? It's a symbol of death that we die to our old life and we live for Christ. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. And it reminds us that the Holy Spirit wants to do supernatural work in our life. And so we use that symbol as a way to physically invite the Holy Spirit in to that time of healing. Now, many theologians would also look to oil as a medicinal, uh, had medicinal value and usage back in that day. And it did. I mean, if you think about the Good Samaritan, who came and he bound up his wounds and he anointed him with oil. Oil was used as a salve. Oil was used to massage. Oil was used to help aid healing. And so thank God for the wonderful medical community that we have, our doctors and nurses and technicians and various 
uh, psychologists and all the various people and, and things that, that God uses oftentimes to help facilitate healing. It's not one or the other, it's both and. He is the Lord, our healer. And verse 15 says, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Like I said, sometimes it's instantaneous. Sometimes it's over a process. I had this unusual experience that happened to me. About 11 years ago, I, I hurt my back. And I don't know exactly what I did, but I kind of crushed um, a disc. And so I lived in chronic pain for six years. I mean, it was difficult. Many, many of the Sundays I spoke, I had to sit in a chair um, during those six years. And I would sit during the worship time, and I just couldn't stand much. It was chronic pain. I went to chiropractors, PT. I went to massage therapists. I went to acupuncture. I went to medical doctors. I went over to Seattle to specialists who injected my back with, with shots. I had multiple scans done. Nothing worked. And then I finally decided I'm, I'm just going to get the surgery. I didn't want the surgery, but that was the only way to do it. So I, I went and talked to a surgeon, a great surgeon here in town, and, and he looked at the results of the scan. He said, absolutely, you need surgery. Scheduled it. Two weeks before the surgery, God healed my back. He just healed it. Now, which prayer healed the back? I have no idea. But God healed it. It's been four years since that time. I canceled the surgery, and I've not had any pain over those four years of time. We don't understand sometimes how God heals, but he still heals people. The Bible says that when I'm hurting emotionally, I ought to pray. When I'm hurting Physically, I need to pray. And when I'm hurting spiritually. Verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your sins to one another. There's something powerful that releases healing in our life through the act of confession. Now, you don't have to go to a priest or a pastor. It can be a friend, a counselor, your spouse. But there's something powerful when we confess, when we say the truth, that's all confession is, is just saying what actually happened. And that could be something that we've done to someone else, but it also can be something someone has done to you. But when we try and bury it, we live with this unconfessed state. We hide it, we deny it, we minimize it, we try to press it out of our brain. What happens is it just goes subterranean and become like a cancer. And it can create sickness in your life, emotional health issues, physical health issues. So God says, confess your sins one to another. Be healed because the truth sets you free. So when should I pray? James says you can pray whenever you've got a need, a physical need, an emotional need, a spiritual need. You can pray and you ought to pray. So what kind of person does God listen to? What kind of person can come and pray and pray powerfully and trust and believe that God is going to answer those prayers? Because so many of us think, man, I could never pray for someone to be healed and watch them healed. I could never pray for a financial miracle and see that happen. I'd be too concerned about all the motives of my heart. And James says it this way, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 
So what does it mean to be right? I don't feel righteous. Do you feel righteous? I, I don't feel righteous. Thankfully, being a righteous person is not dependent upon our feelings. And it's also not dependent on being perfect. That you don't have to be perfect or pious. Righteous is simple. It's about being in right relationship with Jesus. That's what it means to be righteous. Because our righteousness does not come from within ourselves. It's not based on our moral behaviors. It's based on what Jesus did at the cross. He, he became, he imparted his righteousness to you and me. That's what communion reminds us of. That the blood shed on the cross and the body represented in the bread. That he hung on the cross and he took the weight of all the sin of your life and mine on his shoulders and every person that's ever lived. And he paid the penalty for our sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God. And so it's just being rightly connected to Jesus. And if you're here today and you're like, well, I'm not sure that's me. I'm not sure I'm in that place. You can leave knowing that you are. Because it's just an act of faith and humility to just say, God, come into my life. Forgive me for my selfishness and my sin. I receive what you did on the cross. Make me new. And that's what he wants to do. Make you right. And the cool thing is, is that as we pray in that place of right relationship with God, God hears us. James uses Elijah as an illustration in verse 17. It says, Elijah, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So he's identifying. He's saying, you're like Elijah. I'm like, no, I'm not. He's like, yeah, you are. Watch. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. That particular example comes from this crazy story in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, 19. And what, what you see is Elijah has this moment on Mount Carmel. And it's this moment of spiritual victory where he calls out this, this, these dishonest charlatans who called themselves prophets, 450 of them. And he calls them to account and God shows up in power and, and then he runs for his life from Jezebel. He has this great victory. And then all of a sudden you see this incredible humanness in 1 Kings 19 because you see him filled with fear and resentment and guilt and anger and loneliness and worry. And that's why, that's why God said, no, you're like Elijah because that's what we are. We're filled with fear and anger and resentment, worry, loneliness. Elijah just said, God, kill me now. You know, I mean, that was his prayer. Elijah is made of the same stuff as you and I. So what kind of person can pray powerful prayers? Ordinary people. People like you and me. Not just pastors or priests or prophets. The lessons of Elijah's life is you don't have to be perfect to pray. You can even waver in your faith. I waver in my faith. There's times when I have strong faith. There's times when it's really weak. And it's in those times I say, God, I believe, but please help my unbelief. Elijah gets alone with God 
three and a half years that it had not rained. And he prays seven different times that it would rain for God to show his power. And each time he would look out into the sky and there'd be no rain. And finally on the seventh time he sees a cloud the size of a man's fist and he goes, it's gonna rain. God shows up in miraculous ways, often in small ways to begin with until the deluge of his power is released and it poured because God uses ordinary people. We're gonna experience communion right now and I just wanna remind you that as you take the bread and dip it in the juice, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. After he blessed it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and he said, take eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Every time we take the bread and the cup, we remember who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross. Jesus said, abide in me, and my words will abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. Communion's a time to reflect, so I encourage you, before you come up, just reflect. Some of us just need to get our relationship with God right, and He's here to forgive. He's here to restore. Others of us just need to ask God to increase our faith, to work in our lives in a fresh way quit leaning on all of our own strength and ingenuity and begin to lean more heavily upon the power of God. Jesus came seeking you out. Jeremiah said this of God. God says, pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Let's seek him and we will find him. So as you come up and you take communion, I want to encourage you before you go back to your seat, Go to the one of the walls, the back walls up in the balcony on the back wall behind you. If you look around, you'll see these big pieces of butcher paper and there's color pens, lots of them and lots of room and lots of space. And I encourage you to go over there and write a prayer that's a powerful prayer, a bold prayer, an audacious prayer. Trusting God, believing God. And we're gonna, we're gonna fill these walls up with prayers and then we are gonna trust God over the course of the next six weeks leading up to Easter for God to be answering these prayers and for us to be thanking him together. Let's take our time. It's a sacred moment. We're not in a rush. Plenty of time. Take communion. Go over there. There might be a little bit of a line. Hang out. Don't, don't feel awkward. Don't be in a rush. Because you're holding some things. There's some things that maybe you used to pray over and you haven't recently. There's things that maybe a relationship that needs restoration. There's a provision that some of us need. There's a mountain that we need moved in some way. There's an injustice in society that grieves our heart every day we wake up and we need to see it overturned. What is it? Go write it down. It can be a word, a sentence, a paragraph, a person's name. We're called to be a house of prayer. And then lastly, if you're sick, we'll have a prayer team right over here, right over there. One of our pastors, one of our elders will be there as well. They have oil. They want to pray for you. If you're sick, you call. 
That means you come and ask for prayer, ask for healing. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your amazing, wonderful gift of salvation. Thank you for the power of prayer that we get to enter in to this process of talking to you, listening to you, exercising our faith. And most of all, Lord, more than any answers, it's the relationship that we want with you, God. So help us today, Lord. Strengthen us today. Release something in us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's worship. And feel free to come up and get communion when you're ready. Break me 
Yes, when you say that you're good and your love is crazy, I'm broken inside.
That's the way we come to you, the very way you ask to approach your throne boldly, to come and ask confidently. And Lord, we write these things on the wall and we pray these things out loud and we hold these things in our heart because we believe in a God who cares for us and a God of all power and might that can change circumstances, move mountains and turn hearts back to you. And we pray these things in faith. And over the next several weeks, Lord, we pray that as, as we just continue in this, Lord, we'll bask in your presence. We'll continue to pray over these things and that some will be answered immediately and others will take time. Give us the persistence to keep praying. Give us the ability to not give up, to pray always and not give up. Lord, we ask God for the faith we need when we waver and waffle. And we do. And yet, Lord, that doesn't disturb you. You still invite us into the place of relationship with you in a place where we can trust and pray in faith in spite of our own imperfections, in spite of our own lack of faith sometimes. Lord, thank you that healing and prayers being answered and the power of God being revealed is not dependent upon us, it's dependent upon you. Thank you. Thank you for that, Lord.
We pray over this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, again, these will be up throughout the entire series, so add to it next week if you want. Come. If you didn't get a chance to write something, make sure and do that. And you're also welcome to come in a little early and just pray over those things as well. So um, God bless you. Have a great week this week, and uh, we'll see you next week.